California, we present the program of the Voice of Prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these latter days, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now we invite you to listen as the King's Heralds bring us a song especially dedicated to those in trouble, we'll understand it better by and by. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand All the ways that God will lead us to that blessed promised land But he'll guide us with his eye, and we'll follow till we die We will understand it Heavenly Father, look in mercy upon the troubled world. Lead those in authority, protect those in the national service, and bring freedom's early victory and a just and righteous peace. We thank thee for thy tender mercy, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that are in darkness and the shadow of death, and guide our feet into the ways of peace. So guide us in thy way, that we may enter the everlasting kingdom of our Lord, when he shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe. We ask these blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There is a place of Place 
from the heart of God. Hold us who wait before thee. Near to the heart of God. Greetings to our friends everywhere and time to relate another thrilling story of providence. I think we are all interested in the Bible, but if we were willing to put into its study the energy and devotion displayed by one plucky lady living in a tiny home on the banks of the old Allegheny River, we would all get more out of it. This retired public school teacher of Ford City, Pennsylvania, a crippled victim of arthritis, recently enrolled in the free Voice of Prophecy Bible Correspondence course. When she requested the lessons by mail, she realized that her stiff arthritic hand could not handle a pencil, but she had a way. When the first two lessons arrived, she fixed lesson one on the table with one thumbtack in each of the four corners of the page. Then with her good left hand, she guided the pencil in her right and answered successfully all of the test questions in lesson one. Then in lesson two, three, and four, and on and on, until she completed the lessons and received the diploma awarded at the end of the course. Now her heart is just full of love for her Savior, and she rejoices in the newfound light of revealed truth which has flooded her mind and soul. Shut in for two solid years, she recently made the round trip to Pittsburgh and back to be baptized, and never before has she been so happy. This next song of the King's Heralds we dedicate Thousands of shut-ins like her who are longing for the day of deliverance, the day of their Lord's return. And here is the song, What If It Were Today. Jesus is coming to earth again. What if it were today? Coming in power and love to reign. What if it were today? Coming to claim his Watching in gladness and not in fear, 
if he should come today. Signs of his coming multiply, morning light breaks in eastern sky. Watch for the time is drawing nigh. What if it were today? Glory, glory, joy to my heart will bring. Glory, glory, when we shall crown him king. Thank you, King's Heralds, for the challenge of that song. And now, the voice of prophecy with a message for today, he said he'd come. In March 1942, General Douglas MacArthur, under official orders, left the Philippines and arrived in Australia by plane on the 17th. The President of the United States having declared that he would be more useful in Australia than in Bataan Peninsula. But when he left the islands, he promised that he would return to liberate them. Then followed long months of struggle through tropical jungle over thousands of miles of ocean. To some, it seemed that his promise was mere idle wishing. But on the night of October 19, 1944, the electrifying news flashed over the radio that General MacArthur had returned to the Philippines, and that he and President Osmina had landed with the assaulting troops on the island of Leyte. He promised to come back, and now he had kept his promise. He said he'd come, and he came. America's four-star general kept his word. He said he'd come. He did not leave them forgotten on a flaming shore. But through the days of toil and battle, he held his aim to come once more. He did return with flash of cannon, with wave on wave of shouting men. With a roar of motors in the heavens, he kept his word to come again. About 1914 years ago in an upper room in Jerusalem, a young man said to 11 of his intimate friends, I go my way to him that sent me. Sorrow filled their hearts when they heard this, for life without him would be desolate. Was this to be the collapse of their hopes, the end of all their dreams? His words reassured them, if I go, I will come again. And from that hour, his promise to return has been the bright, undying hope of his disciples all over the world. His father called him home, but he will return again. He said he'd come. His word is good, and we can depend upon it. Let not your heart be troubled, he said. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. I'm reading from that wonderful 14th chapter of John. So you see our Lord and Savior also promised to come back again. And he, as the Son of God, will keep his word. He said he'd come. Christ will not leave us forgotten on a hostile shore. Through all our exile and our waiting, his promise holds to come once more. He will return with 
flash of glory, with shout on shout of risen men, with thunder anthem of the heavens, he'll keep his word to come again. As he wanders in exile from home Soon, soon will the Savior in glory appear And soon will the kingdom come He's coming, yes, he's coming, coming soon, I know Coming back to this earth Blessed hope really gets into a person's heart. It makes him different, changes his outlook on life, leads him to put less value on mere things. He'll spend less time on pleasures and needless things, and he'll put more time and effort into the work of God, for he knows his Savior said, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. Matthew 24, 14. Are there any evidences that Christ's return may be very soon? Yes, indeed. What are these signs? Well, among other things, you might jot down these wars, pestilences, famines, earthquakes, distress of nations, preparations for war while many cry peace and safety, increasing lawlessness and sinful living, many uh, turning to a cold religious life, falling away from faith, increase in scientific knowledge, speeding up of travel. All these things are signs. Our Lord referred to these and other signs and said, as we read in Matthew 24, 33, When ye shall see all these things, know that he is near even at the doors. Every word of the Bible prophecies relating to the suffering Savior has been fulfilled exactly and literally in every detail. Therefore, we have a right to expect the prophecies about his coming as king to be fulfilled in the same way. Why is he coming? Well, to take us to himself, as you know, we've read, You'll find it also in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. Take his people to raise the righteous dead and translate the righteous living to be with him, to begin the judgment work. Someone asks, well, why don't we hear more about this if Christ is coming again? It says in Revelation 22:12, Behold, I come quickly, and every eye shall see me. 
He says that in Revelation. And he says he's coming to bring his reward with him. Well, then why don't we hear more about that? Christ and his apostles proclaimed it, and surely we ought to proclaim it. Our Lord said, I'll come again. The apostle Peter said, the chief shepherd shall appear. John the Beloved declared, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. The apostle Paul says, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So you see, the biggest men in religious things have announced Christ's return. Why shouldn't he come? He was here once. Some people do not believe in the second coming because they do not believe in Christ as God. That's the real issue. If he is God, then, my friends, he'll come again just as he said he'd come. What a man believes in regard to the second coming of Christ is a sure test of his faith in all the other great cardinal doctrines of the Christian religion. Ask a man if he believes in the inspiration of the Bible. He says, yes, just as the writings of Homer and Shakespeare and other great writers are inspired. Ask him if he believes that Christ was divine. He says, yes, certainly, just as all men are divine. Ask him whether he accepts the atonement. He says, yes, every self-sacrificing death is an atonement. You inquire about the resurrection. He says, yes, I believe it spiritually, of course, and so on with every doctrine of the Bible. This skeptical attitude borrows orthodox language to cover unbelief regarding the foundation doctrines of the Christian church. When a man says, yes, I believe in the personal, literal, bodily, glorious coming of our Lord and Savior, in the clouds of heaven, you know what he believes on all the other points of doctrine. Yes, the truth of Christ's second coming is a great testing truth today, because it rules out at once all so-called liberalism or modernism, or as we might say, all doubt, skepticism, and unbelief of the word of God. He rules it all out, these wonderful promises. We know then what a man believes. He's tested by this. You see how the cross and the crown, the crucifixion, the second coming, are the two great mountain peaks of divine revelation. Don't neglect this subject, but look for it in your Bible. I found the promise in thy word, the promise, Lord, of thy return. It opened wide thy book to me. It made my heart within me burn. I saw thee dying on the cross. I saw thee risen from the dead. I saw thee coming in the cloud, just as the Holy Scripture said. There's a blessed hope, O Lord, a lamp for all the sons of men, until the promise is fulfilled, thy plighted word, I'll come again. And what should our attitude be? Should we be like the last day scoffers who say, where is the promise of his coming? Or like the evil servant who says, my Lord delayeth his coming? No, a thousand times no. First of all, we should be watching. We don't know the day nor the hour, he says. Not even the angels know that, only the Father in heaven. But he says we must be watching, lest coming suddenly he find us sleeping. Second, we must be patiently waiting. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10, we're told of those who turn to God. For they themselves show us of what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven. We are to wait for his Son from heaven patiently. Then, thirdly, we are to be looking and longing. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Then we are to hasten the coming of Christ. Second Peter 3:12, Hastening the coming of the day of God. Just think of that. By giving the gospel to the world, it is the privilege of every Christian to hasten the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then fifth, we are to pray for him to come. Even so, come, 
Lord Jesus. The last prayer in the Bible. Sixth, we are to occupy until he comes. We are to do his work. We're not to spend our time in fantastic speculations, but we're to be busy in God's service. Those who look for the appearing of Christ are in the forefront in mission enterprise, Christian education, practical work for others. We're not to daydream, but to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. And seven, we are to love his appearing, 2 Timothy 4, 8. These words are from the last will and testament of the Apostle Paul. He says that he sends his message to all those that love Christ's appearing. Do we love Christ's appearing? Or like poor Demas, do we love this present world? Now is the time, friend, to set our affections on things above and not on things on the earth. To have a place with him in his coming glory, we must accept him as our Lord and Savior now. We must accept him as our Redeemer whose atoning sacrifice there upon the cross makes possible our salvation. Friend, will you not freely and sincerely accept God's pardon on the basis of Christ's finished sacrifice upon the cross? Do not reject it. This is the hour of your opportunity. Years ago in Ohio, a young man was found guilty of a terrible crime, sentenced to death. Appeals for a change of sentence failed. Finally, his parents came and begged the governor at least to go and see the boy. He agreed, went without announcement. The young man saw him approaching his cell and said to himself, Here comes some preacher to bother me. I won't see him. The governor stepped up to the bars. He said, Good morning, James. But the young fellow just turned his back. Wouldn't answer. Your friends have been talking to me about you, and I've come to see you. I don't care to talk today. If you knew the importance of my message, I'm sure you'd give me an audience. I don't care to talk. You'll do me a favor to go away. Very sorry. Good day, sir. Soon afterward, the guard came by and said, Well, Jim, how'd you and the governor come out? The governor? You don't mean to tell me that little man who looked like a preacher was Governor Nash? Yes, he came to see if he could do anything for you. His opportunity was gone. And a few days later, as they put the black cap over his face, he cried out, Oh, God, what a fool I was. I wanted to help. He wanted to help me, and I wouldn't let him. And friend, under condemnation in the prison cell of sin, Christ wants to help you now. May he not say of you as of some others, You will not come to me, that ye might have life. Come, friend, come to Christ now, and through faith receive life, everlasting life. For he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. When our Savior comes in glory, it will be too late to find salvation. So do it now. Be ready, be waiting, be praying. Hold fast your faith, for he said he'd come. Sweet promise is given to all who believe. Behold, I come quickly, mine own to receive. Hold fast till I come, the danger is great. Sleep not as do others, be watchful and wait. Till I come, sweet promise of heaven, the kingdom restored to you shall be given. Come enter my joy, sit down on my throne, bright crown the in waiting.
Jesus comes. Remember his words in Matthew 24, 34, that this generation shall not pass till all things shall be fulfilled. God help us all to hold fast till he comes. Have faith in God, whoever you may be. Have faith in God on land and on the sea. Have faith in God. He cares for you and me. Have faith, dear friend in God. Oh, say to the rock that is higher than I, my soul in its conflicts and sorrows would fly. So sinful, so weary, thine time would I be. Blessed 
The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Oh.